Welcome to Speak Sex. I'm your host, Evuridice. Uh, today's guest is uh, Roman. Welcome, Roman, on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. <laughs> um, Roman is uh, a student at Skidmore College, and she's majoring they. Ah, there we go. I should have said Roman goes by they, them. And then I remind myself use, as well as I'm my listeners. I'm okay with any pronouns. I just wrote the bio and they because it's neutral, but I'm really okay with you using whatever. So that's fine. Yeah. But I love they. So yeah. um, they are um, studying gender studies and studio art and uh, they are queer, non-binary, non-binary polyamorous. Um, uh, and a sex activist, right? <laughs> so um, uh, they run at Horrible, which is a website and an Instagram account um, dedicated to intersectional pleasure-centered sexual education and infotainer, infotainment. Yeah. <laughs> what, yeah. Whatever the right, yeah. Um, <laughs> all the words are good, you know. What, what actually, what I want from this conversation, most of all, is this exchange of language. You know, what? Yeah. What I'm really interested in sharing with the audience is all the linguistics updates and the and the you know updates in meanings. Um, yeah. Because I feel that they liberate all of us. And so yes. when you are in college, you're kind of like, you know, uh, lucky in that way because you're at the forefront of where all of this is shifting and, right. you know, opening up. And then by sharing it with us, um, you kind of like spread that, you know, message. You make it inclusive to people around the world. You know, we have listeners yeah. in like, you know, India, Russia, Ukraine, yeah. Australia, you know, uh, all over the world, so it, it's it's kind of like bringing in, um, you know, everyone who's interested in speaking sex, and right. yeah. <laughs> and and to me, yeah, you know, it's just like an introduction. Speaking sex is not at all the same as doing sex. You know, it right. it, it feels that you know p part of my um, part of my motivation here, uh, though not the, the main one, but part of my motivation here was the discovery that people would rather find it easier, you know, would rather have sex than speak it, you know? Right. <laughs> and, and I, and, you know, I had to stop and wonder how did we get to this place? You know, something yeah. went off the rails with yeah. sex lib and the sex revolution, which was amazing and extraordinary, you know, and, and we're, we are so thankful for that. Um, but as things moved, like from the 60s to the 70s and then through the 80s, I'm going to say that, like, you know, after the 80s especially, um, you know, we got murky. Yeah. <laughs> murky as fuck. <laughs> and we yeah. got to this place where, you know, no one, well, no one in the general population um, feels so comfortable with the words of sexuality anymore. Um, yeah. but, uh, you know, they feel like, you know, once the lights are off, more or less, they know what to do. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, so as much as, um, you know, I, I consider it sex ed, I consider it even more so like linguistic education, you know, communication yeah. ed, right? Um, Absolutely. so that's kind of like the exposure I'm looking for here Yeah. with you. So yeah, great. I wanna I, I wanna start with um, a little bit of uh, your motivation. So sure. this was one of mine. You know, my my other motivation was uh, the Me Too movement. You know, I, I felt that we had just kind of gained a momentum. Um, mm -hmm. You know, uh, again in speaking as women from our point of view and yeah. maybe being believed. <laughs> right. So right. So I wanted to kind of like continue that and yeah. keep going, you know, week after week and not just, yeah. you know, wait for like the scandals or the headlines. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so I was wondering about your motivation for Adorable, uh, which is spelled A-D-W-H-O-R-E-A-Able um, yeah. dot C-O. And, um, you know, I know that 
just like speak sex for me, it's a labor of love and you sustain it on, you know, pretty much, you know, on, on your own in your free time, right? Yeah. So yeah, tell me about it. Yeah, so I, it's pretty new actually. So I'm, the, the account is not even a year old at this point. Um, I think I started it in November 2019, just kind of on a lark. Um, I feel like I've always been really interested in sex education and the world of sexuality. Um, and I, I can't tie it to a certain moment. It just feels like it's always been there, but I know it hasn't. But there wasn't a moment where I just went, oh, I really am interested in this. This is a life-changing moment. It's just been kind of in the back of my mind. And as I matured, um, has always been an interest for me. So, um, and I think that for me, it's always been very important to have a close connection with my body and to understand my bodily function as well as not only the necessary function, but also the fun things that our bodies can do. Um, and that is something that I have made an active effort in my personal life to be very in touch with. Um, and I think that that's not the usual experience. I think that a lot of people really struggle with that and not to say that I'm some kind of expert or that I am, I'm better than other people because of that. It's just that I've always been pretty in tune with my needs and um, my wants and with my body and been hyper aware of all of it and what it's supposed to be. And so, you know, even mundane things, like if I see a bump that I know is not supposed to be there because I am very in tune with what my body usually looks like. Um, it's even helpful in that medical sense. But in any event, this is all to say that I, I had this longing to have some kind of digital platform for sex education for a long time, but I was kind of held back by, you know, I'm always so busy and I don't have enough time to do it. And all, all these excuses in my head and these worries. And I just decided, fuck it. I'm just going to make an account. I'm going to see where it goes. If I hate it, fine. If it doesn't go anywhere, fine. But I can't keep complaining about wanting to do this thing that I'm preventing myself from doing. There's no other external factor that is stopping me from doing this. So, um, so I did. And for me, like you were talking about with language and stuff, communication is perhaps my number one value in relationships and interpersonal interactions. Um, especially I think because I've been in consistent therapy for almost the majority of my life, not quite, but for a very long time. And so I think that early on, I learned how important it was to communicate with the people around me about how I was feeling. Even as a child, it was um, even in a more survival sense, um, when I was having, when I was really struggling with mental illness, but I didn't know what it was because I was, you know, 10 or so when it started, um, I didn't have the language to talk about how I was feeling or what was happening or why I was feeling the way I was. So I think that throughout therapy, I have kind of honed in on my ability to communicate and in my practice as someone conveying sex education information. I'm not yet a certified sex educator, but when I'm conveying that information, the number one thing that I have to emphasize to people is communication. I think that 70% of people's problems in the bedroom could be solved by just better communication. Um, and so that's a lot of what my work revolves around. Yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, the, the thing is, the challenge is that many of us agree in theory about communication, um, you know, but then in practice we are stopped or we self-censor by all right. kinds of uh, socially conditioned assumptions about what the person we're, we're trying to communicate with will accept or reject, you Absolutely. know, will misunderstand, will judge, yeah. right? So... I, I feel that you know part of the of the of communication involves um, explaining and sharing our definitions, our meanings. You know, kind of like you know, uh, opening up. You know, and, and trying to get to a place of trust, which again, right. it's easier easier said than felt. 
Um, yeah. And, <laughs> um, and another thing that I, you know, I, that I feel in response to what you were saying is that for generations uh, before, before our, our uh, the last two maybe, you know, before the women's liberation in action, um, mm -hmm. being a female was a form of mental illness in general. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, if you, yeah. if all you could do is like, you know, be confined to the home and be a breeder yeah. and be passed from like, you know, your father to your husband whom your father chose, yeah. right? Then right. in a sense, you your relationship with the overall language logic and system of, of, of values is that of a, of, a, of a mental patient because it doesn't quite right. apply to you so right. you know um, you have a, a they had a skewed understanding and we're talking about many generations of our you know female ancestors so that's also part of the equation and that's why I, I love um, the, the, you know, the idea of sex, sex education um, and sex speaking um, is, is completely you know, uh, divorced from therapy, you know, from the therapeutic right. model. Because, um, you know, sec sexual wellness, right, it's, it's not a, an illness that, that it, it's not something that we can that needs to be fixed it's just right. something that, that needs to be revealed and exposed right. and let out and yeah. <laughs> given space <laughs> um, yeah and that's what you you do you know with your um with your account and i and i feel you know with your activism and and i do feel that as you said you know you are you have that comfort um of, of you know being able to uh, share and and expose without uh, you know whatever the terror of the terror of like you know censorship or rejection yeah. or whatever that is and yeah. possibly you've gained that through your um, you know conversations with therapists but here we are yeah. and it's great that you know <laughs> you can put it to good use yeah um, absolutely yeah and and be a role model that way there are a ton of different ways that one could be involved as a sexuality professional. So, you know, there's everything from sex work to uh, health teachers to people who work at nonprofits for reproductive justice to uh, OBGYNs and nurses. And there are just a million things that you can do within the sexuality realm. Um, and so I think that the first thing that anyone interested in sexuality has to do is prioritize what within the sexuality realm that it is that they want to focus on. Um, so for me, that's education and that's wanting to be confident in my knowledge uh, in order to talk to other people about it. Um, and, and of course there are other options that are more involved that are in that same vein. So if you go to a master's program or a PhD program, or you become a sex therapist, which I've also definitely thought about. And my only hesitation with that is that I think that I'm terrible at marketing myself. So <laughs> I think that it would be a little bit tough for me to handle the business side of that. But in any event, I, I think that the certification, I mean, I'm pretty confident in the knowledge that I disperse right now that Brad Horrible, all of the educational posts are thoroughly researched and I am looking through scholarly articles and reliable websites. And so I'm very confident that the information is correct, but I think that the certification, the most utility of the certification comes from other people acknowledging that you have knowledge that is something that they might not have, or that you are a certified expert on a topic or that your information should be trusted to a certain extent that maybe you might not trust an amateur just spouting right. off that. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I totally, you know, hear it. I mean, we live in a hierarchical society, and so, you know, these degrees are part of that hierarchical system. And yeah. it doesn't mean that we want to, like, you know, perpetuate it. <laughs> um, right. But as a, as a shortcut... I do feel that it's good to know that, you, you know, in two or three months, you can get a, you know, strong, uh, you know, amount of, of knowledge. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, my like my dream, my vision would be that every woman <laughs> or as many women or, or as, as possible would, would take a, a course like that, right? <laughs> so it has yeah. nothing to do with certification. It's just what I like is that, you know, you probably, one, probably learns a lot in yeah. two months, which is kind of like, you know, par partly what I think, you know, I want to see happen uh, as a feminist um, is, you know, this accessible knowledge you know um, so that more and more um, of us of all genders you know understand what's available and you know how things can be healthy and Absolutely. and 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 functional and how we can get like somatic healing instead of you know healing from within instead of uh, from without and then help each other um, and I also feel you know in my dream world <laughs> in my uh, you know utopian fantasy yeah <laughs> <laughs> like all sex workers would be you know certified sex coaches so it yeah. would be the same but it would have the respect you know that like right. you know the that society right now affords like somebody with a paper or a degree right so that you know um the name the title would, yeah. would mean something else and then right you know, their work would be seen differently and they would see themselves differently in the marketplace and, and be much more like out um, yeah. and accepted. So, yeah, I mean, I feel that those are changes that are happening in real yeah. time as more and more yeah. uh, of us want to, you know, incorporate this type of knowledge into what, you know, we're learning. Um, yeah, I think that, sorry. Yeah, it's okay. Um, yeah. I think that especially for people who uh, have read a, read a, ready access to education and have the privilege to do that, don't really think twice about it. But the ivory tower of academia is so real and so gatekeeped by those who are trying to stay in power because there is absolutely capital in academic certification and academic knowledge and other knowledge is and other types of uh, creating knowledge like anecdotal experiences, lived experience uh, is completely discounted. Uh, and it is I think that it really does everyone a disservice because a we are putting academia on a pedestal. And while academia is great, if it's not intersectional and diverse and it's not accessible, then it's not really for everyone. And, and if it's not for everyone, then it's only serving the privileged few who get to partake in it. And then at that point, you're enforcing the hierarchies that are oppressing marginalized people. Um, and that's one of the things that I, that I just adore about my gender studies program because I, I have always considered myself to be a very open-minded person. And I was frankly shocked at how much I feel like I've learned just over the past year since taking my first gender studies class. It has just blown me away, frankly, about how much there is that I don't know about, you know, different experiences of marginalized people and different ways that society is constructed and different systemic oppression. And not only that, but even fundamentally, the way that we create and value knowledge and think about epistemology and how different knowledge comes to be is really shocking. For And again, for someone like myself, who even before college made an active effort to keep myself uh, informed on these types of things and stay involved in these types of things, when I took my first gender studies class last year, my sophomore year of college, I was just blown away thinking about intersectionality, thinking about how different uh, identities uh, play into each other and how systems oppress people rather than it just being on a personal basis, you know, someone using a slur or something. It's so much bigger than that. And I think that it's really opened my eyes. And this is all to say that off of what you were saying, wanting everyone to have the kind of access to the information that we're talking about. I think that that kind of information also needs to be more accessible that uh, I think that 
a lot of hatred comes from ignorance. And I think with a program like that, it would really change the tide if it was more accessible to people because when you are learning about something and you have exposure to it, it's a lot less scary. And then you might be less inclined to feel negative emotion towards it. So I'm thinking like with people who are transphobic, when you get to know the experience as well as possible for someone who doesn't personally experience it in this hypothetical scenario, when you're learning about the experience, how that person is navigating life, how they are oppressed systematically, um, systemically, uh, and so on and so forth, I think that a lot of people would be more inclined to be open to learning about gender outside the binary um, in this instance. Uh, and it's just really interesting, but but academia is so gatekept, and I think that it really... I think that it's on purpose to, because when you give knowledge to people who want to overthrow the systems that keep the people who are in power now in power, those people who are in power don't want everyone else to have that information because information and education is liberatory and they know that. And if they gatekeep it, they can keep their power. Yeah, I completely agree. I I agree, and I you know I have felt for f that way for a long time now. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I'm glad that it, you know we're able to talk about it outside academia. You know, mm -hmm. as an as an academic or as an ex academic, maybe again future academic. You know, yeah. <laughs> I did. I definitely felt that we were all being herded away in like this kind of like ivory tower asylums and when i say we i meant like as professors or you know as phds or you know um i went to brown and then i taught at brown briefly mm -hmm. and i definitely had that feeling that we were in these little buildings you know and we had access only to like the kids that got into these ivy league schools right. and we had no connection at all whatsoever with the general population we could understand each other mm -hmm. we couldn't understand that you know uh, the people outside and the people outside couldn't right. understand us it's really like right. also you know so there is kind of like a two a two way um, you know control or, uh, in, in the sense that the knowledge is kept inside, but also right. the ones who are the producers of knowledge uh, are kept inside, you know? Yeah. So tenure uh, with all of its, you know, extreme perks, um, and, they, and they are, you know, extreme, like you can't get fired, mm -hmm. right? Um, yeah. But it is a, a systemic, uh, you know, kind of like, um, Mm, what's the word? I don't, I don't want to say it's not. A, it, it's a systemic uh, prison, almost, or or yeah. or, or you know, uh, incarceration. Is that I don't know if that's a huge, you know, <laughs> big leap to make. You know, of of knowledge of yeah. of knowledge as it's being made. Yes. Um, you know, so you turn on the TV and you have this hugely popular, you know, unscripted reality TV shows. You know, like how to marry millionaire 20 versions yeah. of this or right now uh, indian matchmakers you know all over or um you know uh, get married after one one meeting and see how it goes or i don't know mm -hmm. like endless you know iterations of little things like that you know the yeah. uh, mormon housewives whatever desperate all kinds of desperate housewives um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah it's it's almost like we live on two different you know, um, in two different languages, you know, in, yeah. in two different worlds that don't exchange and and participate. Um, so, again, like in my, you know, in my dream world, we would be doing reality TV, right? Uh, we, right. we would be, <laughs> there, there would be shows that would be the opposite, you know, that would not perpetuate right. the, the constricting, oppressive cliches but instead like demolish them um yeah. in an entertaining way in in a yeah. in, you know in a humorous way and i did know that humor is part of like one of your is in your toolkit and i mm -hmm. appreciate that you know because we gotta include yeah. that um as we want to bring people in um 
and, and also, you know, just to your, to your point about trans people as an example, you know, my view of that is that, you know, if anything, trans people open up space for genders. You know, they open up space for all of us to kind of, you know, I, I find an identity that's not limited yes. by this extremely binary and, in, and insane, you know, like pre, you know, predetermined and, uh, yeah. uh, you know, binary system that that makes all kinds of crazy assumptions that, that are not true on an individual yeah. basis. <laughs> right. Even for cisgender people. Right. Not That's true. what they mean. Um, yeah. yeah, exactly. No, yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. Um, and for me, uh, gender ex exploration and identifying as a trans non-binary person, as I have come to identify has been a, it has been and still is a really crazy journey because at that point, you're really interrogating what is gender to me? Because in order to identify with gender, you need to know what the options are. And when I started to sit down and do that, I was like, wait, what, what does it mean to be a woman or a man? I, that it, because I, I don't know if I want to make such a bold statement that there is nothing inherent about gender I think to some degree there is. And I think that it's hard to make a statement like that also because uh, definitively because no one is pre-cultural. We are all products of cultural conditioning. And so it's impossible to know what our conceptions of gender, if any, there would be um, if we weren't culturally conditioned the way that we are. Um, and we can't know that. So at that point, for me, a lot of gender is based in the gender performance and based in how you're presenting yourself. Um, but at the same time, I am a non-binary person, meaning that I don't identify as a woman or a man. And I often, such as right now, am pre presenting extremely femininely. I have makeup, I have jewelry on, I have a sparkly top, I have colored hair. These are all classically feminine ca characteristics but it doesn't change the fact that I'm non-binary. So, and at the same time, there is no wrong way to be non-binary. I'm still non-binary no matter how I dress, but then that tears apart any definition of gender that is predicated on aesthetic presentation or how you look or gender performance, because what does that even mean? Because my gender doesn't change whether or not I am wearing a button-up and a tie or wearing a halter top and jewelry. It, it's, I'm still non-binary, but my gender performance is changing. So I don't have an answer for any of the questions I just posed and I don't know how we define gender or how we need to know what gender or how we can know what gender is. But I think that you're right when you're talking about how transgender people really have reimagined and redefined what gender can look like for everyone, not just not just trans people. It's, you know, if you are a woman who identifies as a woman and wants to and, you know, was born in a body assigned female at birth and you want to wear a button up and a tie and basketball shorts, that doesn't mean that you're not a woman anymore. Um, and I Gender is, for, for someone who literally is majoring in gender, I still, I have no idea. I don't know how to define it. I don't know how to, how to categorize it. I don't know how to understand it. It is, I think it's just a lifelong process of discovery, honestly. Yeah, I think that, I, I agree completely. I, I love how, you know, you've, you've described it. I think you've made it very clear and simple. Um, and I agree, of course, with what you said. And I and I do feel that there is no inherent gender outside yeah. of culture, other than you know the biological procreative functions. So sure. uh, you know, <laughs> other basically, who gives birth and who you know in some right. <laughs> right. uh, uh, You know, uh, other than that, I really don't see um, any you know an inherent gender um, 
you know, uh, definition, identity. So right. yeah, we can't really define gender outside of culture because that's all we know. Because like the institutions that we, uh, you know, were raised into, the language that we were trained to speak, you know, yeah. the way that we were taught to think, um, is all gender uh, informed. You know, we were told yes and no, right and wrong, you know, from like our most formative moment. Like uh, the first yeah. moment of consciousness was also the moment of difference, right? You know, right. this is how things are different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I think that the best we can do is undefi you know, undefined gender and, and uncategorize gender, you yes. know, right? Like un unlearn all of this, um, you know, uh, pre presumptions and, and yes. you know, constructs that we, that we did, we're not responsible for. Right, <laughs> you, right. <laughs> um, that, you know, no one asked us for consent here. <laughs> we yeah. were just handed this system and, you know, we were yeah. asked to like fit in and, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, abide by it for no for no reason yeah. at all. Right. <laughs> right. You know, just because like that's where you know that's that, that. so like in a sense, you know, like if it were a physical space, I would be like I would migrate out of that. <laughs> but we would we have to migrate out of it in you know in our with our minds like intellectually yeah. because you know it's not um, there is no no way uh, no no place right now where you know right. But when, when I was, you know, when I was a teenager, I felt, you know, extremely oppressed in my patriarchal society by my father, mm -hmm. my name, you know, my, my um, it's a, it was a small, you know, macho world and I, you know, ran away and I went to LA, <laughs> you know, so I, I went to a different continent and different language and, you know, basically like two days after, um, you know, two days later, I was watching Rocky Horror Picture Show <laughs> and kind of like, you know, seeing everybody mime the words and go through the yeah. ritual, you know, and two days before I had to like attend church and right. you know, take church <laughs> studies. <laughs> Very different. <laughs> yeah, it was like another planet. But yeah. so in a sense, you know, we, we can't do that physically. Like, you know, I, you know, I, we can't get on a, uh, whatever it was, TWA flight. <laughs> With, yeah. you know with a brand new passport but but that's right. in, you know what we have to how you know that's a concrete way of understanding how you know if if we don't like the setup that we were taught and if it didn't even serve our you know teachers and our parents yeah. and our ancestors then we just kind of like migrate <laughs> uh, <laughs> culturally into you know uh, one that makes more sense that that yeah. puts us at ease yeah um, and as you said, you know, um, having access to education, you know, free college, I mean, mm -hmm. um, would be a, a, a big uh, step in that direction. So, Absolutely. you know, the, the, the cult, like in one generation, the culture would be able to at least speak a more cohesive, uh, you know, language. Um, yeah. If, if everyone, you know, had to go had to graduate some college <laughs> yeah. yeah um so what do you find in your um you know in your experience with your platform um what do you find that m most people are looking for most people are interested in most people are in need of um are there any you know kind of like trends um that you've identified uh, yeah, so something that's really interesting for me is that because I am so immersed in the world of sex education and I'm constantly learning more and reading more and looking things up and learning about new things, it is sometimes hard for me personally to go back to the time when I didn't have access to that information and to remember that that information is a privilege because a lot of things that might seem obvious or uh, or that I might assume that everyone knows, not everyone knows because not everyone has the access to this information. And that's exactly what the platform is for, uh, is for 
I think all levels of interest and expertise in this kind of thing. But I think something really important in my work is remembering the fundamentals and remembering to reiterate time and time again, the principles of communication and trust and defining boundaries and, and very fundamental things that you need for relationships or even for one night stands. It doesn't matter when, when you are interacting with a, another person, these values need to be there. Um, and then there's more specific information that is also fundamental. Like you need to remember to clean your sex toys and you should remember to use lube and et cetera, et cetera. But so a lot of the interest that I have is for topics like uh, that tend to be overviews or introductions to things like I just did one on ethical non-monogamy. Um, when I was first starting out, I did one all about the different kinds of lube that you can use and having a reference point for when do I use oil lube? When do I use silicone? Blah, 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 blah. Um, and so I've gotten really positive responses for things like that because I think it's really helpful for me personally to have that information just all in one place where I can go there. I, I always aim to make my posts as comprehensive as possible because if someone wants more details, if I'm giving them the language to learn about it, then if they want more details about something, they can go and look that up with the language that I've just given them. So I'm not so interested in getting every detail of every possible uh, outcome of a certain thing on the page. I'm interested in telling people, these are the fundamentals. This is the basic thing you need to know. And I think that as I continue in my work, because as I said, this is a fairly new platform, less than a year old. I think that once I have covered more of the basics, I will end up making more posts that are specific and that are catering to very specific needs. But for right now, I think that it's so important to just get the basic information out there about all kinds of things from, uh, you know, when I started out, it was a much more specific platform. I thought I was just going to be making, actually, Originally, I wasn't even making my own memes. I was reposting other people's memes about sex, you know, with credit and of course, but I wasn't, I wasn't making or contributing anything at the beginning. Um, and that was a fine place to start because I think that it helped me gain confidence, gain traction. Um, but I didn't start to get new followers until I was making my own content, which seems obvious, but that was something that I didn't know. Um, and so once I kind of gained some traction and have gained new followers, the purpose of the account has kind of shifted a bit because originally it was just, I'm trying to get my foot in the door with sex education. This seems like the easiest way to do it. This is what I'm going to do. And so now that I've gotten more comfortable with that and that's been accomplished, I'm moving towards here's information that I think is really important and I want to make accessible to more people. I want people to be able to understand that these are things that exist, that, you know, things like ethical non-monogamy exist because I know that for me in that example, I didn't realize it was an option until I started practicing it. So I'm moving towards a more educational focus and even the memes, all of which I make myself now, um, usually have some kind of message like I just posted one about body shaming and penis size but it's in the format of a meme so in that way I'm making content a more widely seen because those kinds of things get shared more than educational posts tend to because who wants to do all that reading and if you can do it in a way that's funny and entertaining people are more likely to share it and two making it more accessible because people enjoy consuming it um so in terms of what kinds of topics come up the most, um, I get a lot of specific requests for advice in specific situations. And for me, I know a lot of uh, other influencers who are in the same sector have chosen to set a boundary where they don't accept DMs asking for advice. And for me, that's not a boundary that I've set yet. I think that I'm still at 
a follower count where it's manageable enough and rewarding enough for me where I do interact with people pretty frequently and talk to them through their problems and try and give them advice based on my experience and based on what information I can find for them in scholarly works and things like that. But yeah, so I think I'm focusing on the basics and then helping out people with specific problems um, for the most part. And what are some of those problems that you're hearing about? Uh, it's really interesting. And I honestly have been both impressed and flattered at people's willingness to be vulnerable with me. And I think that in a sense, it's kind of a principle of vulnerability begets vulnerability um, because I believe strongly in vulnerability and trying to expose myself to things that might make me uncomfortable. So the other day um, I got a wart on my hand frozen and the even saying that out loud just now really kind of gives me the willies. I don't like it. I'm uncomfortable with it. But I posted a picture of it because I was like, I know that there are other people who follow me who have parts of their body or have quote unquote flaws that they're uncomfortable with. And this is something we're going to work through together. So I think that by making myself so vulnerable on this platform, and certainly there are trade-offs for that, but making myself so vulnerable on this platform allows people to be really upfront and open and honest and vulnerable with me. And that's something that I really appreciate and admire for the people who do come to me. So oftentimes people are asking about specific relation issue, relationship issues. So I've had people ask, you know, I'm interested in open relationship and I don't know how to bring it up with my boyfriend. Can you give me advice on how I should approach the topic? Or sometimes it's something like, I want to buy my first toy. Where would you recommend that I start? And those are some of my favorite questions to answer because I am fascinated by sex tech and love talking about it. Um, so those kinds of things um, are generally what I get. And it really ranges in um either being internally focused so for some people they say i have this problem you know i have a cyst or i have a bump or i have um i'm having vaginal dryness or or whatever the problem might be and working through that problem on an individual basis and i also have people who are coming to me saying i am having interpersonal issues and i need to figure out how i can talk to this person about this and uh i think my role in that instance is really talking through how to communicate it because almost always my advice is tell them it's very rare that someone will say i did this thing should i tell my partner and i'll say no because i think that open, transparent communication is the best way to avoid arguments and misunderstandings and whatever else. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's a pretty wide range of things. Um, but I have really enjoyed every interaction I've had like that and have so much respect for the people who I've had those conversations with um, because they're actively trying to learn. And I'm not yet feeling like the task of giving advice to people is more burdensome than it's worth to help people to the degree that they need help. Because if someone is making an active effort to learn and to be a better person, and if I can, in my small way, help them get there, I don't have a reason not to do that. Um, so that's, that's beautiful. I just want to say that's thank beautiful. You. Thank you. Yeah. Thank Thank, yeah, I, I really have the most amazing followers and have the most amazing relationship with them. And I'm, I'm, I'm extremely yeah. grateful for that. Yeah. Well, I mean, what's to me, what's uh, it, it gives me shivers <laughs> and what I love about it, which is what I, you know, I also try to practice um, is like not monetizing you know, knowledge, you know, not monetizing, yeah. you know, advice, not, yeah. you know, the same way that I feel that we need to like demonetize sex, um, you know, and, 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 and the body, you know, the sec the sexualized body, you know, I yeah. feel, I feel the same way, uh, you know, that we need to demonetize, um, you know, knowledge of, yeah. of sex and knowledge of the body. Um, and so, you know, 
again, you know, to speak for a second about, about you know, the kind of like ivory tower problem, you know, there are plenty of, of coaches these days. There weren't, uh, you know, a couple of generations ago, but there are more and more, yeah? Mm -hmm. um, or tantric practitioners or, you know, however, yes. you know, they want to present themselves, uh, they choose to present themselves, but they're expensive. <laughs> they, right. they are really expensive. So right. I, you know, I feel that their their advice or their support or their help, uh, such as it is, you know, always comes with now get a private session, you know, pay me, pay me, pay me, right? So, um, right. and I'm not, I am the saying that there is something wrong with that system because yeah. it, once again, it gears to the affluent and the, uh, and the privileged. So, yeah. you know, which means it, 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 it serves those who are already extremely well homogenized. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, yeah. So kind of like, like defeats the purpose, you know, um, yeah. but, um, be, be, but besides that, you know, we, we need kind of, we need the democratization of, of, um, you know, sex ed and and yes. there is you know this is the way uh, at least until we get you know um i don't know you know a, a george soros to like you know give a huge amount of money and send like an army of of you know pay an army of like sex educators to go right. out <laughs> to schools or or women's uh, shelters or you know different centers um yeah and and and, and educate but in a sense, you know, I, I feel that volunteerism is, you know, really important at this stage. Um, it's crucial. Um, yeah. And it's, a, you know, and it's a crucial contribution for those who have access to the, you know, easier access to, mm -hmm. to the knowledge. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, um, and um, I have a couple of more questions, but one that comes straight from what you just said is, so what is your opinion of on sex tech and why are you uh, fond of it? <laughs> um, so I think that sex tech is fascinating. Um, I have a fairly large and growing collection of sex toys. Um, I, I think that it's really cool what what sensations people have figured out how to create and to make available. And um, especially some of the women run brands uh, like B vibe comes to mind with Alicia Sin Sinclair. Um, and uh, I can't think of any more off the top of my head, but there are plenty. Uh, I think that it's really cool that in those instances, especially the women run or, or non-binary run or, or whatever, uh, companies are offering an experience and, and, uh, I'm trying to figure out exactly how to say this are, are doing really important work because I think that there's a lot of power in pleasure. I think that, I think that that sentence encapsulates the answer to the question, but to expand on that, I think pleasure is an extremely important part of both our relationship to our bodies and also our interactions with the world around us. So something that, especially that I've been thinking about a lot during lockdown has been the balance of my life in terms of things that are not enjoyable and things that are enjoyable. So in a typical distribution of activities, when my life is not being disrupted by a pandemic, it's usually, you know, some of the less enjoyable things are my commitments like work and doing school things and attending to commitments like that. And, and in that same category are also things that are unpleasant, like loss and uh, a falling out with a friend and, the way that we all balance those things and the way that we cope with those things and the way that we get through our days. And the reason that we're all alive is because of the other sector of things is because of the enjoyable things like having a movie night with friends or doing my hair or making art or things like that. And something I've struggled with over lockdown has been that there is a 
lot on the not enjoyable side and the enjoyable side is really dwind has really dwindled because of oh, access. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So in uh-huh. in that the when you're conceptualizing it in that way, pleasure has a huge role in our lives in terms of why we are alive. Um, and something that my therapist keeps saying to me is when I come to her saying, I'm so overwhelmed, everything seems like it's shitty right now. Everything is, is going to hell. I don't know what to do. She keeps reminding me, you need to put meaning in your life. You need to have a reason to deal with the not enjoyable things. And you need to have things to look forward to so that the not enjoyable things are not so indefinite and ongoing. So in that framing, pleasure and sex tech and sex tech making uh, pleasure more accessible. I mean, don't get me started on pricing and the accessibility of the financial bit of sex tech. But um, I'm hoping that in the long term that pleasure and sex tech will start to be considered more as a healthcare necessity, that it's not so much a luxury of I'm buying this $200 suction toy because, you know, for shits and giggles, I want it to eventually become, I'm buying this because orgasms make me feel good and help me improve my relationship with my body and improve my relationship with my mind and help me uh, enjoy life more. And I think that that's not, that shouldn't be a luxury and it shouldn't be priced as a luxury. I mean, of course, with capitalism being the way it is, you want to make sure that your production is ethical and compensating people fairly for their labor and so on and so forth. So I'm not saying that we should all be making shitty toys and sweatshops and selling those, but there is a huge importance to pleasure. And I think that, I think that that's a huge part of my fascination with sex tech, that it, it's so fundamental and it, or it should be so fundamental, I guess. Yeah, well, it, it, it does free um, our, you know, our pleasure for, for, you know, from the need for another, uh, for, for a partner. And, um, right. you, know, and it's, you know, at times like this especially, but also, mm-hmm. you know, at times when, uh, of transition in life or of process, you know, um, of self-change, it, it's a good, it's definitely a good, uh, option and a good like learning tool <laughs> so, yeah you know you can kind of, you know you can learn more about your body and what what it can feel and what it can do and you don't get exactly. stuck in like how things were you know because many of us uh, you know many folk f- feel that you know well I you know I only like this position or I only you right. know find pleasure in this one way or you know this outfit or you know uh, if there are like seven types of orgasms I, I know one or you know that's right. m- mine you know <laughs> um, and it's definitely doesn't serve us right you know it's yeah. kind of like it's the same uh, it's the same exploration as, as kind of like ex- exploring the, the world, you know. Um, yeah. You know, like when the, the, the desire to travel, you know, is, you know, it's, you know, I compare it to that. Like, you know, um, it's, it should be the same desire to explore, uh, you know, our body, um, mm-hmm. you know, with, with the same kind of like uh, excitement and openness. Uh, and, yes. You know, less uh, censorship and, and definitely, you know, body posit- positivity is, is a part of that, you know, being, mm-hmm. you know, giving like uh, models, you know, optic, um, you know, models of, of body that, um, that are more, um, I don't even know, like the word inclusive seems ridiculous because, our, you know, the, the, the stereotypical, uh, you know, normative models of, of, of beauty are so out of, out of control unnatural (laughs) (laughs) that I really don't think even like 0.1% of the world's population is born looking like that, you know? So (laughs) even the ones who approximate it eventually or, or soon, sooner or later, you know, have to get like more lip injections or more uh, cosmetic, you know, interventions to, to exaggerate, um, you know, what, 
what they were born with because it, it seems to me that our our cultures, our normative, uh, you know, uh, patriarchal cultures, models of beauty are are, are closer to like alien <laughs> than <Yeah>. human. <laughs> right? yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, body positivity, I think, is part of that. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And to go back to the first thing you were talking about, I'm a huge advocate of people masturbating and exploring their own body and getting in front of a mirror and exploring their genitalia and their body before jumping into bed with someone. And it, there's nothing wrong with not doing that first, but I think that it really enhances your experience to, if you understand what your body enjoys and you understand what kinds of sensations feel good to you, it is going to make partnered sex a million times better. And I think that yeah, the, that sex tech makes that exploration more enjoyable and more accessible and a little bit easier in a lot of ways because you have a tool to do it for you. I, I think that we need to be framing sex toys as tools um, right. because they are extensions of ourselves to provide sensations that we wouldn't be able to otherwise experience. And then, of course, body positivity is a huge part of that as well. Um, and I think that too often, body positivity is uh, uh, essentialized in a in a negative way that takes away from the entire picture. So I think that it's not just you know a a skinny white white woman wearing sweatpants and a sweatshirt and still thinking she's beautiful. That's that's not. I think that oftentimes that's almost the initial thing that we might think of as body positivity, but it is extremely complex. And I think that body positivity not only pertains to our relationship with ourselves, but the, our relationships with others. So yes, something, yes, yes. something I was thinking about yesterday was that um, my relationship with my body and the things that I judge in myself are the things and the flaws that I notice first in other people. And I do my best to be an actively non-judgmental person. And at the same time, I have the same cultural predisposition as everyone else. And I have the ingrained fat phobia and racism and uh, even sexism and homophobia, even though those are things that I am oppressed by the latter two. Um, and so those things are are things that I try and be hyper aware of because I know that if I see someone else exhibiting a characteristic that I have that I don't like, that's going to be the first thing that I judge them on. And it's not a quality that I like about myself or that I think is positive. It's a complete knee-jerk, automatic response to something. And I think one of my favorite quotes or I don't know where this comes from but it's something that I have definitely seen posted around the internet several times uh is that the person that we are is not the first knee-jerk reaction it's defined by our values are defined by the second reaction to the first reaction where you say wait that was not a productive thought that was not an okay thought that was not a non-judgmental thought and that thought doesn't align with my values and that thought doesn't allow me to uh, to live my life by my values and I think having that conscious recognition of that is really important when you're thinking about in this instance body positivity but it, it really is widely applicable yeah I agree I agree completely yeah it's the like you know count to one hundred or sometimes we need one thousand or whatever <laughs> response you know that is the 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 more uh, true to ourselves you know yes. yeah and uh, that's why uh, you know a, a big part of I think a big part of this process is you know forgiveness you know uh, mm -hmm. forgiving ourselves and forgiving yeah. others you know yeah. uh, kind of like you know beginning with the beginning with understanding that you know we're all flawed beings in mm -hmm. need of, of forgiveness and mercy and then you yeah. know doing our best but yes you know self-forgiveness is, is is also huge um because our inner you know 
judge, critic, and then we have our inner, you know, we have an inner victim and our inner, you know, judge, critic, and they're both, you know, again, passed down to us, um, yes. you know, and they're, you know, tools of, of the patriarchy, of the hierarchy to keep us, you know, um, homogenized. So we, we can't like self-hate that part because it's, you know, it's definitely who, you know, we've been to, trained to be. But, yeah. you know, once we recognize that reaction and we, we agree that it's not really who we authentically Want, you know, want to be or, or feel, yeah. you know, we, we can be, then we can have that reaction, first re response, <laughs> yeah. and then like, you know, put it to rest <laughs> yeah. and, and find, you know, find the truth next, yeah. and if that's what it takes, you know. Um, and, I, you know, and I feel like you give, you give that uh, type of, 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 uh, of way of living a year or two or three or four and, you know, you'll end up, will end up like, you know, shortening the, the time yeah. it takes to get to the truth. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and so, and why the, the W in ad adorable? <laughs> uh, I'm a big fan of puns. Okay. So, so originally actually my username did not start out as ad horrible. Um, so originally I was the Holy scripture, but Holy was spelled H O E. Um, and it took me a couple of months with that name to learn about and recognize that ho, H-O-E, you know, calling someone a ho is derived from African-American vernacular English and that it was not really a, an appropriate usage of the word for me to build my brand on a word that I was taking from Un unintentionally, but the harm is done regardless of my intention um, by using AAVE. So after a lot of reflection, after first learning that, uh, I decided that I needed to change course and change my username to something that would be appropriate and not, and not be offensive and not be... Uh, discriminatory so i ended up brainstorming a bunch of different names most of which were puns on sexual words like slut and uh and things like that and whore which is what i ended up with uh and through a poll of my followers at which at the time was maybe less than a thousand i honestly don't remember um but from that, I kind of narrowed down what people seem to gravitate to the most. And from that, I got it horrible. Um, so I just kind of combined adorable and whore and tried to put those together just because I thought that it was fun to have a pun and to kind of play off of the sexual promiscuity implied and not even implied that is. Blatantly yeah. associated with whore as the whole, yeah. whole meaning. Um, so yeah, that's how I how I got to that. I just I'm a big fan of puns and bad jokes, so <laughs> that was where that came from. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I get you. Yeah, I was wondering, um, you know, because the the word is just such a heavy word, but I, you know, I do I I I do love. Um, you know, liberating like all these weighted, uh, overweighted words that are you know yeah. hard to even like say <laughs> without without yeah. shuddering from their shackles. You know, like yeah. basically the only thing we can do uh, with all those with with words that have become let's say dirty words. You know, or or or, or cuss <laughs> words yeah. um, in in you know in the sense of like uh, e extreme uh, moral judgment, you know, um, is to use them as puns. And, uh, yeah. you know, w w without, you know, without any any of, of all those meanings at all. Um, so, yeah, in that sense, it makes sense to me. I, uh, I feel that, you know, taking it on from a place of like just fun, 
um, yes, you know, is a definitely is a, is a good you know hack. <laughs> it is a good twist. Yeah. Yes. So uh, that's wonderful. Thank you. Well, I think yeah. we had a wonderful talk. I mean, I, yes. I don't know if you want to cover anything else. Um, your website again is at Horrible. Um, it will be, you know, in the description of the episode and yes. the YouTube. Uh, so, and it's dot co. Um, and uh, thank you, Roman. It was it yeah. was a pleasure. Uh, stay in thank touch. So I want to definitely, you know, follow your studies and your path, yeah. and you know, have you. you come back and tell us more. Yes. Oh, I would love to. Yes, this is an amazing conversation. Thank you so much for having me. And this was my first interview about at horrible ever so That's wonderful. I am yes so excited and yeah. so honored so thank you so much for having me i had Love a wonderful it. time yeah. yeah me too me too yeah great and uh, everyone out there thank you for listening thank you for being with us every week and until next friday keep speaking sex so we're excited to announce our partnership with oldplayground.net. It's the site to go to if you're in any way curious about what to do next in your sex life. If I could make love incessantly, I would be God.